Two podcasts in a row with a guest? That's almost crazy enough to work. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. And today we're going to be joined by Jeff Warren, host of the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast show, the longest running weekly Philadelphia sports podcast. We're going to talk to him about his take on the current state of the Penn State Nittany Lions. He is a Penn State fan after all, and he's got some opinions to share as well. Let's get into it in today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go. It's Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. We are moving a little bit closer to the next Penn State football game. This weekend, they are heading out to Lincoln, Nebraska to take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our most recent podcast before this, make sure you do that by listening to our previous episode. You can hear our interview with Brandon Cavanaugh of AthlonSports.com share his take on the current state of the Nebraska Cornhuskers and some thoughts and opinions about what to expect out of this weekend's game between Penn State and Nebraska. Today, we're doing another interview with a podcasting buddy of mine, Jeff Warren, host of the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast, is going to be joining me very shortly. We're going to get his take as a Penn State fan and alum, I believe. We're going to get his take on what he has seen with this Penn State football team. And he's going to have an opportunity to maybe shed some optimistic light as much as he possibly can and try to put things into a little bit more perspective as far as where Penn State is in this current 2020 season. I understand it's pretty negative right now, but we're going to bring Jeff on, see what he has to say about the team as well. We also want to make sure you are never missing a single one of these episodes. As soon as they go live on your podcasting app of choice, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're leaving a rating and a review. Let us know what you think about today's episode, what you think about the podcast in general. Your feedback is immensely important to helping us continue to grow this podcast moving forward as we continue through this 2020 season. And yeah, We even have another guest lined up for tomorrow's episode, so make sure you come back for that as well. Subscribe, rate, and review on all of your favorite podcasting mediums, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you're using to listen to podcasts today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and a review. You can also reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, all using the username LockedOnNittany. All right, I think I got everything out of the way. Let's go ahead and get into today's episode with our friend, Jeff Warren. All right, I'm joined today by uh, Jeff Warren. He is the host of the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast, the longest running Philly weekly sports podcast. And you may be wondering, Kevin, why are you bringing on a Philadelphia sports podcast? This is a Penn State podcast. Well, Jeff just happens to be a little bit of a fan of the Penn State Indian Lions, and I'm looking forward to getting his take on everything that's been developing up until this point in the season. But before we go any further, let's bring him in. Jeff, how's it going today? It's not going too, too bad. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for the technical issues I had on my end. You're very patient, Kevin. Uh, Jeff and I uh, almost didn't have this interview ready to go. It looked, it, we, I was talking to Jeff before we uh, got started with this. Uh, I've been wanting to bring him on because he's been so kind to have me on his podcast over the last how many years now, Jeff? Uh, been a know, while, yeah. <laughs> at least once yeah. a season. I feel like yeah. I know college football is here because I get the call from Jeff and say, hey, Jeff, uh, Kevin, can we bring you on, talk some college football, talk some Penn State? And I said, absolutely, Jeff, let's make it happen. And, and obviously, your podcast is basically geared towards Philadelphia sports, but you know, me being a Philadelphia sports guy, I always embrace the opportunity to talk some college football because it's not exactly the top priority in our region, Jeff. Right, right. I don't need to tell you this, yeah. uh, but, but it, is, it is always kind of refreshing to know that there are other people in the Philadelphia area that are interested in college football. Jeff, we have a lot of things going on 
with the, the college football season to date. Uh, obviously, as we're recording this, a handful of games have already been canceled for this upcoming weekend, including Ohio State's game against Maryland was yeah. uh, one of the, the newest uh, announcements. Uh, the SEC's got a handful of games that are being canceled this weekend. Penn State has been, I guess, fortunate not to have a game canceled this year, although the way things are going. Maybe they should. I, <laughs> I was going to say, the way things are going, you know, obviously not to make light of the situation, but uh, things have not been going very well for Penn State on the football field. Uh, Jeff, I don't know how much of this season you have watched to this point. Uh, I don't know if you're a diehard that watches every minute of every game, uh, but give me your take on where you're seeing Penn State as they are now 0-3 going out to their biggest uh, road game of the year against Nebraska. Well, Kevin, I am a Penn State alum, as I've mentioned to you before on, on my podcast show, and it has, of course, been disappointing to see where this Penn State football team has gone this year. But I think there are so many different elements and factors that go into the why. And, of course, I think when we look at this season and years down the road, I do think we're going to look at this season as a mulligan. And, of course, there are other teams who are playing well. There are other teams where we see players who are developing, but – I think when we look at this Penn State season, uh, uh, for many reasons, we're going to say, okay, it's a mulligan because of the head coach, what he's been going through with his family, which I may get into in, in a little bit, uh, being separated from his family. Not an easy thing, probably weighing heavy on his mind every single day. And yes, he's a professional. We've seen his professionalism over the years, but still, it is a factor. And I just take a look since 1990, okay, Kevin? 30 years of Penn State football, and there have been four losing seasons. That's it. Four, four years out of the past 30 that they did not have a winning record. And what does that mean? It means that this Penn State football program, it means Penn State fans in general, look at this team and say, there is a tradition of success. Now, what level of success, that is certainly uh, can be debated, and we can certainly look to the fact of no national championships, but this team has been relevant in the Big Ten for so long. And, of course, they didn't join the Big Ten until 1993, but this Penn State football program has always been relevant in the Big Ten, and I think that's why this 0-3 start is such a complete shock to everybody. Well, first of all, let me just correct you real quick because you said there's no national championships. Uh, Jeff, you watched the 1994 season, right? We all know. Oh, that my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's right. It was 94. I'm thinking, oh, dear heavens. Yes. <laughs> it, it's interesting that I mentioned that because obviously uh, in, it was our, in high school. Yes, of course. <laughs> in our last podcast, we had on a, a familiar guest with this pro, uh, podcast, uh, Brandon Cavanaugh, who covers Nebraska. So every time we talk to him, I, I try to make a reference to 1994. And uh, yeah, obviously, Penn State's playing Nebraska this weekend, or at least they're scheduled to. So uh, that always kind of drums up the, the memories. Yeah. And yeah. I, I still, that's one of those what if scenarios. You remember the website? I don't know if it's still around, what if sports, uh, where, where you can plug in the different. I was, um, I was on it a long time ago. I yeah. do remember the site. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can plug in uh, different teams from different years and you can, you know, uh, run a simulation to see how it all play out. I don't know how many times I did the 1994 simulation between Penn State and Nebraska that year. And <laughs> I got to say, I'll be honest, it, it came out a little even. It may okay. have slanted a little bit more towards Nebraska, but we don't need to get into that. 
What we do need to get into, and we'll be back with our interview with Jeff in just a moment, is the fact that you're looking for the perfect way to kick back and relax this weekend. At the end of a long week, if you're going to work, maybe you've got some yard work and the leaves are coming down, so you're trying to find ways to relax over the weekend. The best way to do that is by kicking back on the couch, watching Penn State take on Nebraska with both teams going for the first win with a nice, cold, refreshing Coors Light in your hand. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport just to drink a beer, and it is cold lagered, cold filtered and cold packaged it's literally made to chill it's as crisp and refreshing as the colorado rockies and it is perfect for the moment to unwind and the best part is you don't even have to leave your house you don't even have to change your clothes in order to make sure that your fridge is stockpiled with all the quarters light you need to get you through the moments where you're looking to chill all you have to do is go to get.coreslight.com and you can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Remember to go to get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. But we still have a couple days to go until we get to those weekend moments when we can sit back and chill. And maybe you're still trying to get through your workday. Maybe you're still trying to hold off that hunger as you're trying to get through whatever it is you're trying to get through these days. And the best way to make sure you are staying full, nutritious, and healthy and moving forward is with the Built Bar. That's right, Built Bar. You've heard me talk about these before. They are the protein bars that taste just like a chocolate bar. You cannot go wrong with this. They're even more deliciouser than they've ever been before. They have those six newer flavors that they've added to the rotation just recently caramel brownie apple almond crisp the perfect flavor for the fall and this is on top of their 12 original flavors you know i'm a big fan of the orange flavor but i also like the peanut butter i also like the german chocolate and i will sign up for that peanut butter brownie protein bar any given day of the week. They are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And the best part is you can fit them into any kind of diet, no matter whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight, or you're just trying to find something that's going to keep you full until you get to your next break time, or you get through the end of your work day before you can go home and cook a good meal. Built Bars are there for you. And right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. So again, use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And while supplies last, they'll even throw in a free cooler with that purchase. So not only are you going to BuiltBar.com and entering the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order, but you're probably going to get a free cooler as well. And pro tip. Put those built bars in the refrigerator the night before. Put them in your nice new cooler with your lunch. When you go to, to work, you're going to have a nice, cool, refreshing protein bar snack. It's going to keep you full, keep you energized, ready to go throughout the rest of the day. One last time, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, get 20% off your next order. But I, I think that your basic points here are very accurate because you know Penn State, by and large, will have a winning season just about every year. Um, obviously, there are going to be yeah. some exceptions to the rule. And if you look at those uh, losing seasons, you know, there was a turn around the, the 2000s, your early 2000s. Uh, they were kind of lumped together, too. So Absolutely. 2000, yeah, 2001. Was, yeah, 2003, 2004. Just absolutely terrible seasons. Yeah, and as we're, you know, going through an abbreviated schedule, you know, obviously you only have the eight games of the regular season schedule. Plus, yeah, the ninth game with the, the Big Ten Champions Week at the end of the year. But, you know, 0-3 start, it's going to be tough to get to a winning record, but I don't think it's impossible. But as I've said before, uh, there's a lot of things that Penn State needs to address as far as improving their yeah. team during the season. 
how much confidence do you have that this coaching staff is going to be able to make some of those adjustments and start to see some improvement on the field with some of the, the play on the offense and the defense? Because let's be honest, there's some question marks on both sides of the football right now. Absolutely is. And if anybody listens to the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast show, they will know that uh, my co-hosts and myself, I am always the eternal optimist on that show. And when it comes to sports, sports teams I follow and love, I'm always the eternal optimist. I am not, Kevin optimistic about this Penn State season I'm not and I think from the offensive side of things for me it really starts with the offensive line and and the various changes that have been made and they've needed to go through I have said for so many years if you do not have a solid offensive line you are not going to have the foundation for a successful offense I don't care if you're playing high school football college football or if you're at the NFL and pro level if that offensive line is not sturdy if it is not secure again I use that word foundation if the foundation is not there you are not going to be able to do much of anything from in terms of the run game in terms of the pass game James Franklin said this past week they need to be more physical at the point of attack and absolutely they do but they are getting completely completely just blown off the line pocket is collapsing Sean Clifford is running for his life when it's not a drawn-up play where there is quarterback movement coming out of the backfield anyway but this offensive line I have a real real concern with defensively holy cow we can just look to this past week we're in the first quarter (laughs) Maryland's running two plays to the exact same plays and Penn State's defense was not able to adjust and, and both were for touchdowns and everybody's talking about those two plays. And I, but, but I think it's important because if you do not have, if you do not have the ability in game to make adjustments and to be able to understand what the offense is doing, then Kevin, I, you're just going to continue to falter. And I don't see them learning from their mistakes offensively and defensively. And sure, injuries are, 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 are a part of this, and, is, and we're also living in a bizarre world, too. <laughs> and I think we do have to keep that in mind. Optimistic for the rest of this season? Not really. <laughs> but I, I do remember, and I keep holding t- close to my heart, buddy, when you were last on our podcast show and you said, you know, it could be a three, game, a three losses that they may have this season, and I'm really hoping for that. I, 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 I keep you close to my heart with that, pal. Well, I, I've been on record officially a couple of times saying that this is a six and two season for Penn State. I yeah. could see three losses and yeah, they've got three losses right out of the gate. So, hey, you know, if they turn things around, I, I, I'm still sitting here thinking that this team can still go on a roll here. Uh, you know, starting this weekend, if they get a win against Nebraska, they'll come home. I think they play Iowa after that. They got to still go to Michigan, which is always going to be kind of tough, but you know, Michigan hasn't been playing all that great either. So yeah. Maybe the worst is behind Penn State. I don't know. Uh, Certainly, I'm kind of with you. I try to be optimistic. And if people listen to this podcast, you know I try to find those optimistic points uh, even after those losses. And I I found some after Indiana. I thought I found some after Ohio State. And then this past weekend against Maryland, I gave up. I said, I can't find any optimistic spin for you guys, you know, but obviously – Next week could tell a different story. So we'll Absolutely. see what happens this weekend against Nebraska. Yeah, really quick, Kevin. I read a great yeah. tweet this past week. Uh, it said, Indiana harvested Penn State's soul so that Maryland could feast on the decayed remains. And that has really stuck with me over this Ooh, past right. week. And I, and I think to myself, boy, if we're, hopefully we're not at that point. But it certainly does feel like that from a fan perspective. Do me a favor. If you still have that tweet anywhere, make sure you send that my way because i got to share that because that is just too good to not, <laughs> Sounds good. To, to not relate to the masses as much as possible. Yeah. 
<laughs> you mentioned earlier a um, couple thoughts about James Franklin, and I know you know anytime that things are not going well, the head coach, of course, especially a program like Penn State or, or even Michigan with Jim Harbaugh, uh, the coach is going to come under a lot of fire. And I tend to think that some of those uh, overreactions are just that. I think they're slightly overreactions because still, if you look at the grand scheme of everything that James Franklin has done at Penn State, there's a lot of good things happening here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. This is a tough year. And you kind of alluded to some of the things, and I know he talked about this uh, this week with the media, being away from his family. And, you know, obviously before the season started, I, I don't know exactly when it was over the summer or whatever, but James Franklin's family uh, went away basically. So they could, uh, yeah. you know, James Franklin can continue to do his work. It's got to be tough um, being away from your family. And I know he got a little bit emotional about that, but you know, what was your reaction to some of the things that James Franklin said this week about that situation? I think people need to keep in mind and try to put themselves in other people's shoes every now and then. Kevin Franklin's youngest daughter has a sickle cell disease and it makes her among the population that's higher risk for COVID-19 complications. And what they, what their family has done is do, doing what's best for them with regard to the health of their family. And I think we need to really keep that in mind too, that at the end of the day, it's not just about football. For us fans, of course it is. Every Saturday or whenever we're watching Penn State football, it is for us. But when you have a family and you have a daughter that has a sickle cell disease, that has got to be your first and foremost priority. And the fact that he's not able to be there with his family, it's got to be tough on him. But tough to the point where it probably does creep into his mind, of course, every now and then during his workday when he's trying to prepare his team, when he's trying to develop these guys and trying to get a good game plan going for the next week. I think people really do need to understand that this could be a huge component of why we are seeing this Penn State team floundering at this point. If we put ourselves in other people's shoes at times, and specifically with James Franklin, and again, given the situation that we're in this, uh, you know, during this COVID pandemic, I, we just need to keep that in mind moving forward. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I don't know if we take into account the personal issues that are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, we all think that, you know, James Franklin and some of these other coaches are getting paid all these millions of dollars. They shouldn't have to have this be a, a no feelings. They have no feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but they're, they're not robots, right? I mean, right. they, are, they right. are human beings. And especially someone like James Franklin, who does try to create a family environment within the program, bring coaches, families into the fold whenever possible. Yeah. Uh, obviously, things are a little bit different this year. But, you know, not having that element, being a part of the program you're trying to run the way that you are, uh, it, it's got to be tough. So to me, uh, I'm compassionate to this kind of situation. That's why I feel like, it, you know, especially this season, I, I feel like there is another excuse out there. I, I don't know if I want to use the word excuse. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think people should call this an excuse that we're making here. Talking right. here on the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast, this is not an excuse. This is reality. And realistic situations like this do creep into our everyday lives. And I think we need to accept that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll just say that it would help uh, – calm a little people a bunch of people down if maybe they could win this weekend so exactly <laughs> I think that certainly changes <laughs> the narrative a little bit Penn State go on a roll and uh, still end up with a keep in mind they're still bowl eligible every team out there is still bowl eligible so yes you know, if you're looking ahead you know, you know seeing what bowl game uh, an Owen six Penn State team could potentially be going to I don't know right. what the options are but um you know that's you know, that's something more about further down the line we'll even see if the bowl season happens but yep you know, we'll we'll see what happens um so, yeah, James Franklin dealing with a lot of stuff in, in trying to turn things around with the program. Where do you think Penn State does go from here within the season? Do you think that there is a way to end the year with a winning record? I know you're 
you've already said you're not very optimistic, but right. you know, realistically, do you think that there is an opportunity here? I think there is an opportunity. I mean, if I had to give it a percentage, I would say maybe a five to 10% chance of it being a winning season. And, and that may be pretty low, but again, I look at where the team is, and especially offensively, when they haven't been able to do anything during the first half of these games, they just haven't had any stability. Uh, the in-game adjustments don't necessarily seem to be happening until perhaps later in the game or, or you know, maybe at halftime. But even though I'm not optimistic, do I think it can be done? Absolutely. I would never say never. But again, I'd say maybe a 5 to 10% chance that they could actually pull out a winning record here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, digging out of an 0-3 hole with some of the games that they still have to play against some teams that may actually be better than we anticipated this year. You know, yeah. Rutgers is not having a great year, but they're certainly more entertaining under Greg Schiano. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that Rutgers is going to upset Penn State, but if Penn State keeps playing this way, you know, Rutgers is going to give them another uh, good round like they did last year. A little bit of a different situation at the end of last season. Uh, Michigan, I still say, is going to be a tough road trip. Uh, it always is for Penn State. Uh, we'll see what happens this week against Nebraska. Iowa coming off a big win uh, for them last week, getting their first win of the season. So uh, that's not going to be an easy game for Penn State. Still got Michigan State. That's who knows what's going to happen there. But uh, the, the rest of the schedule is not exactly going to be easy. So while they right. do have Ohio State and uh, a surprisingly good Indiana team behind them and maybe a pretty good Maryland team, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done as far as this season's concerned. We'll see what happens this weekend and moving on after that. Jeff, I know you're a big NFL fan, right? Uh, Absolutely. You do, a, you do a weekly post-game Eagles podcast as soon as that game is over. Yeah. Uh, like Penn State, it hasn't exactly been a great year for the Eagles. <laughs> I was going to say, much to my co-host's chagrin, yeah. doing those Eagles post-game podcast shows, yeah. You, you have not been having a great year as far as being a football fan, uh, but uh, hey, maybe, no. maybe things will turn around there as well. But I want to get your take because you know, one of the things that Penn State, I think, has done a pretty good job of, you know, certainly in their history, they have sent a lot of players off to the NFL. Uh, and I think uh, one early on during the James Franklin era, there were some criticisms about his ability to develop skilled players and send players to the next level that would succeed. I think some of that has been silenced because we have seen some good players come through Penn State yeah. under James Franklin Absolutely. and go off to thrive in the NFL. Now, I understand this year it hasn't exactly been the biggest um, you know, joyous season for some of the running backs that have come out in recent years for Penn State, most notably, of course, Saquon Barkley with the season-ending injury at the Giants. Miles Sanders has been banged up with the Eagles. What, what's the latest on the Miles Sanders situation? Are we going to see him again soon? I do think we are going to see him this coming week. He was at practice today from uh, what I was reading on Twitter. So I do think we are going to see Miles Sanders sooner rather than later. If he is back in the lineup this coming week, I do think we are going to see an enhanced Eagles offense. I do think that Miles Sanders is somebody that Carson Wentz does trust. And we, of course, as Eagles fans, know the type of uh, season Carson Wentz is having at this point. But keeping Miles Sanders healthy and making sure that he's in the backfield is really going to pay dividends for the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of moving the offense down the field, getting touchdowns, which they just desperately need, especially to start off the games. They are absolutely pitiful when it comes to scoring in the first quarter. And I think having Miles Sanders back is really going to be welcomed. Yeah, obviously the Eagles are going to be playing the Giants this weekend. So obviously we'll be missing out on Saquon versus Miles. But yeah, uh, it's always fun for me uh, watching those two. Uh, the fact that we've got some really good Big Ten running backs in the NFC East is always kind of uh, interesting for me. It's uh, great. 
yeah, I mean, I was like, hey, I know these guys. I've watched <laughs> these guys, and now, now I'm like watching them go off and uh, do their thing at the next level. It's pretty fun, especially when they're playing in an Eagles jersey. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and we're seeing we them develop. I mean, we have yeah. been watching them develop all these years. It's fantastic. What I, what I feel bad for Miles Sanders is every time he is mentioned on a telecast, it's always, oh, oh he backed up Saquon Barkley. He's like, <laughs> listen, I understand he backed up Saquon Barkley, but Miles Sanders was also a pretty darn good running back himself. So I think eventually yeah. maybe he'll break that mold a little bit, but you know, it's just kind of one of those factoids that the, the national broadcasters are always going to have to throw in there because you know, it's going to be one of the things on the notes for Miles Sanders. And I don't know how long it's going to take for him to to no longer be miles backed up saquon barkley sanders but that's just <laughs> exactly. the way it is for him yeah exactly it's going to be i think it's going to be like that it's a talking point that's put in in front of these announcers and broadcasters but if you take a look at miles sanders this year yeah he's only started five games but he's racked up 434 rushing yards and that he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry this season if he didn't have this injury we would see this Eagles offense producing in a very different fashion. So he's absolutely critical. And I think this is going to be the year that he probably does, if he stays healthy, gets out of that Saquon Barkley shadow. And hopefully we're not going to hear broadcasters talking about them or talking about Miles Sanders as if he is some sort of, you know, long lost stepbrother or something. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, eventually he may be able to break that mold, but it's not going to happen anytime too soon. We also know that Penn State has had some pretty good wide receivers go on to the yes. NFL. I know KJ Hamler had a game-winning touchdown for the Denver Broncos recently. That's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Allen Robinson, conti- I know this was I know this wasn't a James Franklin product for Allen still, Robinson, but still, still yeah. uh, he he's been pretty fun to watch. I would not mind seeing Allen Robinson in an Eagles jersey. I've been saying that for a while now. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but man, I would love to see that. I would love to see. I have been wanting it for so long, especially after that 2015 season that Allen Robinson had with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 1,400 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns. He, of course, hasn't had the opportunity to replicate that because when you have very inconsistent play at the quarterback position, you're probably not going to amass those type of stats. And in that year, in 2015, 17.5 yards per reception and you know there's always that 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 argument about whether or not he is some uh, some sort of elite wide receiver and I I don't necessarily I I don't like how people categorize elite uh, when they're talking about NFL stars because every NFL star due to analytics and due to every single uh, statistic out there you can pick and choose who is elite at this or that Uh, but in a recent article that I was reading Kevin uh, Allen Robinson last year in 2019 he actually ranked first in success rate against man coverage, 79.3% is what he was bringing in in terms of his receptions in man coverage. And that's astonishing. Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, those are also guys who are just able to win in man coverage, get up, catch the ball right at the catch point. And I think there's something to be said about that. I would love that the Philadelphia Eagles could actually get him at some point in the future and acquire uh, his talent. But uh, Allen Robinson, KJ, uh, KJ Hamler, good, very good wide receivers. And, and with KJ, listen, he needs to develop more. It's, it's, his, it's his freshman year in the NFL. He's got great route running skills. And I think he needs to work on his hands a little bit more. We saw that a little bit at Penn State. He kind of has like a clapping type of motion to how he uh, catches the ball. But once he gets by the safety, 
you're going to, you're going to, that, that initial burst. And when he gets by the safety, we're going to see some special things, I think, from him in the future, especially coming out of the slot. Yeah, Chris Godwin down with the Bucks. He's, yes. He's had some good moments too. So, yes. Yeah, we, some good wide receivers have come out of Penn State. They're also uh, developing some good tight ends too. Yeah. I feel like uh, the, the tight end production under Penn State has been pretty consistent. Uh, and I think you go back to when Bill O'Brien was the head coach. I think he, he focused a lot on that tight end position. I think he did yeah. a lot to really help create the mold for what a new Penn State tight end is. I, th- I think Penn State's lineage at tight ends uh, is going to be pretty fun to watch in the years to come. And I think that's continuing right now. Pat Fryermuth, uh, obviously maybe not quite this season through three games that we expected out of Pat Fryermuth. Maybe defenses are playing differently. I don't know, but I, I do think that he's still a high quality tight end. Very interested to see what his NFL draft stock is going to be like at the end of the year. Absolutely. Sean Clifford's able to get him the ball in an effective way. <laughs> that's certainly going to help him out, but you're right with the tight end position. And I think you were right in saying that Bill Bryan really helped to bring that tight end type of culture, the tight end play, how important it is. He was able to really bring that from the NFL to Penn state. And I think the program itself probably saw how critical it was in terms of moving and progressing its offense in the future with recruits. And I, I, I think it's going to pay dividends for this Penn State football team in the future because that, if that culture is there, I think we're going to continue to see that in the future. And James Franklin obviously sees it as a positive, and, I, and I'm glad to see that. Yeah, you mentioned Bill O'Brien, and we, I could go all day about uh, talking about the impact <laughs> that Bill O'Brien had in his yes. very short time at Penn State. And we're not going to do that today, but maybe we'll right. do that again some other time. Uh, Bill O'Brien on the uh, – the, the job market right now, right? So he hasn't picked up a job anywhere since being let go by the Houston Texans. Where do you right. think he's going to go? I don't know. Maybe a Penn State offensive coordinator. <laughs> I knew. I, I, I'm kidding. kidding. I, I know. I've <laughs> seen people. I have seen people clamor for that. And you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I would love to see it. I, I'm, it's not going to happen. But no, you know, no. I, I, I think that would be really fun to watch because I still, go, I still go back and I think, you know, what would have happened at Penn State had Bill O'Brien stuck around? Uh, at least longer than the two years he'd been. And I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you know I'm I'm unsatisfied with the James Franklin era. I'm just saying what if you know it's just one of those questions I ask sometimes. So what would have happened if Bob Bryan stayed at Penn State? Would Christian Hackenberg have developed into a yeah. legitimate NFL pro quarterback? Uh, because I think he was on the track there, and then you know James Franklin came in, and for whatever reason he kind of got veered off course. I think so. It, that's one of the great mystery questions of life I have every now and then. I think. What would have happened to Christian Hackenberg if Bill O'Brien stuck around for his full college tenure? Right. I think things yeah. could have turned out a little bit differently for him. I absolutely do because you have two different offensive philosophies at play here. Bill O'Brien's offensive philosophy and, um, and James Franklin's are very different in a lot of ways in terms of how they utilize the quarterback position, how they manifested – the quarterback play throughout the course of a game from a philosophical standpoint, very different and blocking schemes with regard to the offensive line. We saw a lot of differences there as well. We see a lot of, and have seen a lot of differences there. Bill O'Brien, I think implemented again, that more professional based football mentality, I think with his offense and structure while James Franklin you know, he, he, I swear, I'm convinced that if he had to run an option play every single play, <laughs> that he would actually do it. But uh, I mean, two very different offensive styles. And I think you're right. I, I think there would have been uh, a significant differences in where this Penn State football program is perhaps now than uh, if, if Bill O'Brien had been there. But again, I'll go back to what I said at, during our initial discussion is that we have a tradition of winning in Penn State football. We have a tradition of winning. 
are they elite football programs that we've seen over the years? No, not necessarily. But Penn State football is relevant, and I think that's important to keep in mind. I do think this season is going to be a blip on the radar. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm kind of going <laughs> going off a little bit here, Kev. So, uh, uh, but yes, in terms of James Franklin, Bill O'Brien, two different offensive philosophies for sure. And I will just throw out there, just because it has to be said, you know, circumstances around the program were vastly different for Bill O'Brien than they <laughs> yeah. have been for James Franklin. A little bit, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get into that, but you know, right. I would love to maybe dive into that a little bit deeper. Maybe we'll bring you back someday. We can have some fun discussion just looking back on that and kind of Sounds playing good. it out in an alternate history to see where things would have gone. Uh, That'd be fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll We'll, we'll definitely do that. That might be a good off-season topic, but uh, the way things are going for Penn State, we may want to throw that up in the rotation a little bit <laughs> earlier. We'll see. Jeff, uh, I'm so happy that I got a chance to bring you on Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. I want to give you a chance now. The floor is yours. Let people know how they can follow you, anything you've got going on on the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast, what they can need to do in order to subscribe, all that good stuff. Thanks for having me, Kev. I really appreciate it. It's great having you on the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast show uh, whenever we're able to bring you on. Everybody, if you uh, search on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, uh, major podcasting platforms out there, iHeartRadio, you can find us. Just search Philadelphia Sports Table at Philadelphia PST on Twitter. That's where you can uh, find us there. I'm at Jeffrey underscore Warren. So feel free to follow there as well. So thanks so much again, Kevin. It was really great talking to you. Great talking Penn State football. Yes, and Jeff, uh, just so everybody knows, we will put those links in the show notes for this episode. So if you forget what he just said, don't worry. It'll be in the show notes. Just check it out, and we'll have all the links there for you. Jeff, thank you so much for your time, and have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, Kevin. As always, my thanks to Jeff for spending some time with me, talking some Penn State, getting his take on the current state of the program from his fan point of view. If you want to check out all the things that Jeff has going on with the podcast, make sure to check our show notes. Again, we will have everything linked in there. But my thanks to Jeff. My thanks to you guys for listening to today's episode and continuing to support the program moving forward with your subscriptions, your ratings, and your reviews on all of your favorite podcasting apps. It really does help us out as we try to improve the show and make it something that you want to come back to, you would look forward to on a regular basis. And of course, you're going to recommend to your friends and your family and your fellow Penn State fans. It's all a part of building a fun community here to talk about Penn State football through the good times and of course, as the season has indicated, the bad times as well. But we appreciate you guys hopping along and joining us for this journey as we continue to improve this podcast moving forward. You can also reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. We're using the username Locked On Nittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. So find us on all of those platforms as well. My name is Kevin McGuire. One last time, you can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my college football coverage over on AthlonSports.com. And don't forget to check out my Patreon at Patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. Coming up in our next episode, we have another interview lined up. I'm scheduled to talk to Aaron Torres, a radio host on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, He and I go back a ways, and I'm looking forward to bringing him on and sharing some of his insight and some of his reaction to everything that's been going on with Penn State. I might even throw in a couple college basketball questions because, let's be honest, there's a pretty looming question as far as Penn State hoops is concerned. So I'll get his take on that as well. If you have any questions you want me to add, make sure you send us your questions on our Twitter account, at LockedOnNitty. So until next time, everybody, have a great day. Go on to know. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.